we observe Pentecost as well? Well, you know, if you know anything about Pentecost, and what I want to talk about today, the title, if you got to put a title on this, is From Celebration to Activation. From Celebration to Activation. You say, why is that important? There's too many people that celebrate Pentecost, but they don't activate it. They know about it. They celebrate it. It's like Christmas. They know all about the birth of the Savior. They know all about Easter. But unless you put it into action, unless you live it out, what those things mean, it's nothing. It's just information. You can have faith and not do a thing with it. You know, faith is to know. It's to know. People say, well, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What does that really mean? It means you've got to have the information that God has given you about who he is. Now, well, well, if I've got faith, I've got enough. Even James said that won't work. He said, if you got faith, you've got to have what to go with it. Works. Guess what the work is to the faith? Trust. Trust means you activate what you know. Because even the devil knows a lot. But he don't trust God. He ain't going to. He's rebellious. His whole nature is rebellious. He is not going to trust God. Even though God says where he's going, he still don't believe it. He still believes he can defeat God. But to know it's not enough. We got to activate it. We, you got to trust God. We don't just have faith and knowledge. Because notice now, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, which means receiving by the preaching, the teaching, the whatever comes in, songs, poems, whatever. It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Which means you're receiving valuable, life-changing information. But then once you've got that information, you need to what? Activate it. That's what makes it work. you got to have faith and you got to combine it with trust. Trust means I'm going to walk this thing out. I'm putting my trust in what I know about God and who he is. So when we look at Pentecost, I got saying, okay, Lord, I've, I've taught Pentecost. I've heard about Pentecost. I know it's all right there in the first, you know, one, two, three chapters of Acts. We all know what happened. Uh, Jesus ascended. He told his disciples to go back and wait. And, you know, I don't know about you. I, those guys were probably chomping at the bit, ready to go. Well, I mean, they were in the presence of a risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He had defeated death, hell, and the grave. He had defeated the religious system. He had risen from the dead. I mean, they, yeah, I cannot, I could imagine when he, even when he ascended, that was a supernatural thing. And then, and then not only that, then the angels appear. I mean, some of them had never seen an angel. So then the angels appear and say, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing? This same Jesus that you see ascending is coming back. Hallelujah. Man, I'd have had a man. I'd have had to go. I'd have, I'd have had to go. I'd have run right down the beach just to scream as hard as I could go. Woo, the Jesus, Jesus. Let me tell you. But what did he say? Be silent and go back and wait. Why? We got the message. But they didn't have the power. That's what makes the difference. I've known a lot of people had the message, but didn't have the power. Sadly, I listened to a lot of preachers, and I've heard preachers who had a message, but didn't have an anointing. Whew. Don't preach to me without an anointing. Don't sing to me without an anointing. Please don't sing to me without an anointing, because that becomes annoying. You can be anointing or you can be annoying it's up to you and even one thing makes the difference what we're talking about today the Holy Ghost of God that changes everything 
Show me a life that is wrapped up in the Holy Ghost. I'll show you a life of power. But show me somebody doing it on their own and following the religious system and I'll show you a mess. Pathetic. Like I said, I've listened to the multiple preachers. Y'all got one here. Like I said, I listen to a lot of people. I even listen to myself so I can try to critique myself at the best I can with this southern dialect that I've got. It just, I try, I really do. But it just, it's so deep in me. I've been in it so long now, I reckon just go with it. You know, it, it's almost, my wife said when I came down here and married her, she had to get an interpreter to understand my East Carolina southern dialect. A lot of folks listen to me, they don't even know what I'm preaching about, they just want to hear me talk. Say, man, I just love to hear you talk. Hallelujah. But you know, I got to say this, I thought, I used to think, because people had told me, and I listened to myself, and I realized that it is true, I do talk fast. I do talk fast. But I'm going to tell you what, Paul's fly, you got a preacher here who talks faster than I do. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, he ain't just talking to be talking. He's giving you some information. So y'all need to write fast. I used to tell people, I talk fast, you need to write fast. I said, matter of fact, that's a folks, if you're going to listen to me, you need to go take shorthand. Because you won't know better to write it all out. But I'm going to give you a lot of information. We're talking about Pentecost. Many churches are celebrating Pentecost. Now, here's what it is. When you read in the book of Acts, I'm not going to give you a lot of scripture on this because you know what it is. It's right there in the book of Acts. You know, they went back to Jerusalem. There was 120 in the upper room. The fire fell. The power fell. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other languages. And 3,000 people and some got saved quickly after that. But, but every bit of that has a reason. It is not by coincidence not where it happened and not even how it happened and not even when it happened. It all had an divine appointment. And this is what will blow your mind if you've never heard about this. It's good sometimes to go back and look at the Jewish customs and see how they observed things because everything they did meant something. They didn't do anything just to be doing it. God had appointed it while they did it. And the same thing comes with Pentecost. So, number one, it was a festival and a celebration of Pentecost. It commemorates the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles and the other followers of Jesus Christ. The 120 that were there and the apostles with a celebration, we call it Pentecost, that commemorates. But, you know, that's the sad thing is for a lot of Christians, that's as far as they go. That's all they know about it. Well, that's when the Holy Spirit came. They were baptized. They spake in tongues and there was fire and and that's all they know about it. They don't realize the significance of everything that happened. Now, this happened while they were in Jerusalem celebrating the week of feast. I mean, the, the feast of weeks. So they weren't just there to be there. They were waiting, like Jesus had said, 50 days after Passover comes Pentecost. But it was during the feast of weeks which was also the time of Shavuah. Some people call it Shabbat. But it's actually Shavuah because the T is silent. So not only do you have the Feast of Weeks, you've got Shavuah, which is the celebration of the harvest. The spring harvest. This is when you would harvest your grain. When I grew up in the eastern North Carolina, just before you started putting in the devil's weed, we call it tobacco, that stuff will kill you. Or one way or the other, putting it in or smoking, it'll kill you. 
But before we did that, we would always pick the wheat. The wheat would always, about June, somewhere up in that time, the wheat would be ready to harvest. So this was their main crop, was their bread crop, was in the spring. And so they would celebrate the Feast of Weeks. And this is one of the reasons for the Feast of Weeks, the, Shav the Shavuah, the, the, the harvest. Now isn't it amazing? God would send the Holy Ghost at the celebration of harvest. There's a reason for it. In the Christian tradition, this event represents the birth of the early church. But now Pentecost is taken from a Greek word, which means Shavuah, which means the spring harvest festival of the Israelites. But why would God choose this time to send the Holy Ghost when he could have sent him any time he wanted to? Could have been 49 days. Could have been 60 days. Could have been 30 days. 40 days. 40 days. I mean, look, look how many times 40 is in the Bible. But God said, no, 50. Because he, it had to be on that season, that celebration of the harvest, the Shavuot. Now, notice also, it was at this time that Jesus is also speaking about the spring harvest because look at what he says in John 4.35. Look or lift up your eyes, which means pay attention, observe, look to and understand, lift up your eyes and look unto the fields, the world, for it is already white under harvest. Jesus was acknowledging this time. He was acknowledging Pentecost. When the disciples came back and had food and Jesus said, well, you know, I'm not worried about that. He said, well, have you already eaten? Look, man, lift up your eyes. The fields are right on the harvest. There are souls to be saved. And God sends the Holy Spirit at this time of celebration. And even Jesus give recognition to it. Pentecost is more than a time of a Holy Spirit empowerment. It is also a time of reaping the harvest of lost souls. You see, my friends, this is not only a day we celebrate, but this is a lifestyle we should incorporate. We should have a, every time someone comes to Christ, there ought to be a Pentecost. That means a new move of God for that person to now go out into the harvest. It's not just about an event. It's about a lifestyle. It's not just initiating, activating. It's incorporating Pentecost. We need to live out and be Pentecost. Just like we're the church, we're to be Pentecost. We're to be the season of harvest. Our whole desire, other than worshiping and serving God who is faithful, is to go win souls. Louis Giglio said it best. Some morning, I've, I've repeated this here before, but just in case you missed it, what is our purpose? I see so many people that waste a lifetime trying to figure out their purpose. Well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. What is my purpose? When you leave here today, I promise you, you won't have to ask that question anymore. Here's your purpose. To know the Father and the Son and make them known. No matter what you do, what your job is, your occupation is, as long as that job's bringing glory to God, as long as you're not doing something disobedient, whatever you're calling in life is your platform of ministry. Know the Father, know the Son, and make them known. There's your purpose. Now get with it. Whatever your gifts are, whatever your talent is, whatever you are, get with it. Know the Father, the Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, go make them known. Why? Because in you there is a Pentecost, a time of harvest. Go get the souls. Time's running out. 
You know, when I really want to understand Jewish customs and celebrations, I don't know if you've heard about this, this fellow before. He is a Messianic Jewish rabbi by the name of Jonathan Kahn. Great teacher. If you ever want to know something about, matter of fact, if you want to know something about the signs and wonders, what's going on in America today, listen to this guy. Boy, he, he rolls it out there. But I mean, he can tell you what's happening. He can tell you the signs of the times. But again, he's Messianic, Rabbi, Jewish, but he, he can give you some insight. So I went to listen to some of the things he said about Pentecost, and boy, it was good. So may I share some of the things that I learned with you. The first mention, believe it or not, of Shavuah, Shabbat, Pentecost, was when God gave Moses the law and the Ten Commandments. Because Shavuah means harvest. It was a giving. It was a giving. And God gave the word. He gave the commandments. He gave the law to Moses to give to the people. And that was the first acknowledgement of Shavuah. So notice what it is. God giving the word. How many would say we need the word? I mean, the word is precious. We need to desire the word. We need to hunger for the word. We need to thirst for the word. But, but the first mention of the Shavuah is when God, when Moses came down the second time, because they messed it up the first time, and when he revealed to them the word, that was the beginning of the Shavuah, the, the giving of God for the needs of the people. They needed the word. Now, on the same day, the same event, Shavuah, God now gives the fullness of the Holy Ghost. The first Shavuah, he gives the word which was the law which revealed the sins of the people, which means it required sacrifice, it, would, it required traditions, it required things that became religious, unfortunately. But now God does what? Through his new covenant at the time of the harvest, the time of the first fruits, now he gives an even greater gift, the Holy Ghost. Why? So we can now live out the word. Because Jesus has become the sacrifice. So now we have power by the Holy Ghost, another precious gift of God, to be what? To live out Pentecost. That's what makes it so important. It's not just an event. It's way more than that. It's no coincidence that it happened at the same time. My friend, it was a divine appointment. God knew when he gave Moses the law and the Ten Commandments, the Shavuah that he knew thousands of years later in an upper room with 120 people on a divine appointment that God would again pour out another gift, the Holy Ghost. And the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. But he's more than just that. Many Christians are in error when they believe that the Holy Ghost only came at Pentecost in the upper room. Oh my, you don't know your Bible at all. I don't want to be ugly. You don't know your Bible at all. And that's, so, that's a lot of people, pastor, to think that. Well, the Holy Ghost came. There are people that believe Jesus only came in the New Testament. You better go back and read about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing with what? One like the Son of God. He showed up to Abraham when he said, Well, my Lord, tell my Lord Abraham, my Lord what? Lord God. Jesus. He was there. Jesus, he's been there from the beginning, from Genesis to Revelation. It doesn't just reveal his position. It reveals his presence. 
He's all the way through. And so is the Holy Ghost. Let me give you a few. In Isaiah 63.10, it speaks of His Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit in Isaiah. In Psalm 51.11, look at what David says. Do not remove from me thy Holy Spirit, which represented the presence of God. My friend, that's one of the reasons we have the Holy Spirit, is that we have the continual presence of God. We don't go to the sanctuary. Come on now, we are the sanctuary. We're the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. And David knew that. He said, do not remove. I can deal with my enemies. I can deal with my sin. I can deal with my mistake. But don't remove your spirit. We should never. We ought to be grieved if we even think we grieved the Holy Spirit. We ought to be broken if we ever think we quenched him. Because he is the Spirit of God. In Genesis 1-2, it reveals the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. In Genesis 7-22, it said, And God breathed that breath was the Holy Ghost into Adam from the beginning. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. There was a difference. Because we had not been fully cleansed by the blood of Jesus, because we were still bound under the law, because we were still under the obligation to have to give the sacrifices, the Holy Spirit came upon people. But once we came to know Jesus, and the veil was torn in two, and the blood was applied, we ought to praise God for this. Not only did Jesus come into our life, but the Holy Spirit came into our heart. He came in to dwell. The Bible says he is now in you. That's the difference. He was present in the Old Testament to work on and to direct and influence. But now in the New Testament, he indwells. Which is a hope they would have lived for this day. You think David wrote some Psalms under the influence of the Holy Spirit? What would have happened if he'd have had the empowerment of the hope that we have? Well, he would have lived for this day. I promise you one thing, there'd have been a lot more psalms than there were. He'd have really had something to write about, amen? Well, we, we, we should never take this for granted. I think sometimes we don't comprehend how important this is. The gifts of God, look at this, the living word, Jesus. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. The greatest of all gifts of God. But then he gave us the written word, the rhema, to teach us. To instruct us. To give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He gave us the living word. He gave us the written word. But now here on Pentecost, He gives us the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit to help us what? Know Jesus and know the word and live it. you got to have all three. What took place at the celebration of Shavuot, Pentecost, what happened? It was the time of the spring harvest. Here's what would happen. The people would go out into their fields. Now in eastern North Carolina, where I grew up at, we actually, we were 10 and 1,200 acres of land. And no matter what farm we went on, I could tell you where the most fertile spot was on those farms. I could tell you what part of that farm would produce the, the best crop. Matter of fact, we had some farms, there'd be fields on one side, that you, if, if, you didn't have, if it didn't come with the farm, you wouldn't even tend it. Because it was so, my granddaddy used to say, it's so poor, a rabbit will have to pack his lunch to go across it. 
That's poor land. Sorry land. It ain't worth nothing but to build a house on it and then you got to bring your grass in because you can't grow it there. But then you always knew where the fertile places were. And what the Jewish people would do is they would go out in their fields and they would gather in where the fertile was. And they wouldn't harvest a crop. They would first go out on this celebration and gather. They would gather a certain amount of the best grain and then they would bring it back to the temple. During this celebration and they would hold it up before the Lord to honor him with it and give it the Lord of the harvest. And then the priest would come out at this time not knowing why but it was a commandment of God that he must hold up two loaves of bread as they held up their offering. And as they would hold up two loaves of bread well today we know that that bread is the bread of life Jesus Christ but why two? Why not three? Why not four? Why not one? Because those two represented that the time of harvest would eventually be the Jew and the Gentile. Don't tell me it don't mean something. The time of harvest. God's saying there's coming a time when my son's blood is applied. I'm expecting a harvest of not only Jew but Gentile as well. Lift it up before me that I can consecrate it. And I can bless it. Once it was blessed. Then they would go out into the fields and they would harvest their crops. Why? Because now that they've given the first fruits to the Lord, the rest of it was now holy and sanctified. And they would go out and they would leave the corners of the field for the poor and the hungry. And if they dropped any grain, they would leave that. To why? Help the world as God has told us to be a help to the world. To witness to them but also help feed them. That was part of the harvest is they would also acknowledge those that were in need. God said, don't you go in there and take it all. He said, I will bless you with so much, you won't need it all. So you leave some for the poor. You leave some for the hurting. You leave some for the hungry. You know, isn't grace the same way? God says, my grace is big enough, you don't need it all. You need to give some of it to the others. That's the harvest. We need to be taking God's grace to the world. But too often we try to hold it in for ourselves. We're selfish with it. But God said, I gave you enough grace. You don't need it all. You ought to be giving some to those that are hurting. Some of those that are hungry. Some of those that are thirsty. That's Pentecost. That's what we're celebrating. That's Shavuah. The time of the harvest. So they would go out and they would acknowledge God. Let me tell you something. I don't know how much you got. I don't know how much you own. But it ain't nothing if God ain't in it. If whatever you got you lift up to the Lord... My friends, he'll sanctify it, he'll bless it, and you'll have an abundance. But if whatever you got, you hold it to yourself, it's already cursed. That, am I talking to somebody? And, and I want to be careful with this. There's some folks today, you're in violation of a breach of contract with God. Because you brought your child to the front of a church and you had a preacher anoint that child and dedicate that child to the Lord and then you've done what you wanted with that child and you didn't give that child to God like you promised. Tell me I'm lying. Well, now, Brother Mel, I, I, did, I didn't do that. I, I didn't take that child. Well, you didn't do anything to teach that child. You didn't do anything to instruct that child. You didn't do anything to incorporate the Word of God into that child. You've given them English, and you've given them math, and you've given them sports, and you've given them all of this, but you have not given them what they needed most, the Word of God. Tell me I'm wrong. 
See, you gave them to God and then you expected God to do everything. Am I wrong? Pastor, I know you will tell me. Did the Bible not say teach your children when they rise up, when they walk in the way, when they lay down, when they eat, when they... Teach them, teach them, teach them. What about the world? No, about the Lord. You lifted that child up so God would sanctify it and set it apart. And now you're wondering why it ain't working. Because you took it back. When you lift it up to the Lord, when you lift your life up to the Lord, when you give yourself to the Lord, it's no longer yours. Now I'm not going to give you a part two of this. Tuesday night I'll be speaking about this on the program. We've been bought and paid for. And the Bible says we're the temple of the Holy Ghost and we do not belong to ourselves. But I want to encourage you today, it ain't too late. Give those children to the Lord. Give those grandkids to the Lord. Give yourself to the Lord. Say, Lord, I repent for taking control. I repent for taking back what didn't belong to me. I, I don't want to be guilty of a spiritual breach of contract. You made a deal with me and I want to hold up my end. I gave you my life at the cross. And I want to take that cross and follow you. Am I preaching yet or am I just talking to myself? Some folks don't want to hear this, but I'm telling you, this is the time we got to start preaching. We got to start preaching the power of God, the love of God. And we've got to get, I've said this, I, I, God has revealed this to me. Grace is more. Come on now, I'm getting, I'm getting a little bit sick of this easy grace stuff. I'm getting a little bit frustrated. I'm getting too old to be putting up with a lot of mess now. But when I hear preachers talk about, we just come to God, His grace is going to cover all you sin. You don't have to really do anything because it ain't about works. Let me tell you something. You better hear me, preacher. You better hear me, people. The grace of God will forgive your sin and cover your sin, but it will give you the power to turn away from sin. Grace is not just a covering. It's an empowerment to turn away from sin. Amen. You've still got a responsibility as a believer to turn away from sin and you've been given the Holy Ghost to do it it's more it's a lot more than just don't get me wrong God's grace God's love is powerful matter of fact that's what makes it so powerful is that it gives us the power to turn away from sin well, I just can't help it that's a lie if there's ever been one you can you can. You do have a I have a responsibility. God has empowered us. I preached a sermon hadn't been long ago. What are you going to do about it? Because when God saved you and empowered you, he's given us almost everything we need. We're going to God begging for things that he's already given us. He's given us power. He's given us the anointing. He's given us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. But you see, we want God to do it all. But see, Pentecost changed all of that. How many of you knew that was this much in Pentecost? Pentecost changed all of that because at Pentecost you got a power. At Pentecost you got a presence. At Pentecost you got a provision, a promotion, and a promise. So that crop would be given to God and then they would return to their fields and they would gather them in. But I want you to notice something. Now they would bring what? The first fruits. Stay with me on this. They would bring the first fruits. No, what, what's that got to do with 120 in the upper room? 120 were the first fruits of what God's going to now do in the entire church. You got to start somewhere. God took 120 people and did what? Poured out His Spirit on 120 people and they became the first fruits 
of the new church. Do you see it? On when? On the day of harvest. That was God's harvest right there. God already had his first fruits right there. Now he says, I'm going to bless that 120 and they're going to start going out. They're going to start taking what I've given them and they're going to go out and they're going to share it with other people and they're going to have a boldness that they'll be willing to die for it. Up until then, they might have been like Peter and been a little bit skeptic and a little bit of afraid, but now Peter and a lot, a lot of the others have a power that they will not deny and they're willing to go to the death if that's what it takes. How many of us are willing to go to the death if that's what it takes? 120 in the upper room at Pentecost. Shavuah were the first fruits of the church body, the new church. They were the first fruits of many others who would come to know Christ, accept him, and then they would go out and win others. But if you ever wondered about this, I've heard a lot of interpretations, but this makes a lot of sense. Why would God have them speak, not only in the gift of the spirit and tongues, but with the tongues of other nations? Remember what the people said? Are these people not Galileans or they're not Israelites and yet they speak in our language? How do they do that? Why would God have the 120 speak in all these foreign languages? Why? Everything God does has a reason. Are you ready for this? Because it revealed that God would send the gospel into all the world, to every nation, to every tribe, every culture, and every language. And notice, what, what were they? They were the first fruits. And they were already speaking in the tongues of other nations. Glorifying God. Praising God. Moving in the Holy Spirit. You see, Pentecost was not just about an empowerment so you could live a good Christian life. It's about an empowerment that you can go win the world. It's a lot more than just about you. It wasn't just about the 120. Matter of fact, it wasn't long after this, 3,000 in one day were added to the church. Why? Because of the first fruits in that upper room. Does anybody remember how many started out in that upper room? Does anybody remember? It'll blow your mind. How many saw him ascend? How many had he come in contact? Over 500. But in 50 days' time, it had narrowed down to what? The first fruits. It had narrowed down to the best. Those who were committed, those who were dedicated. Somebody needs to hear me today. I'm going to tell you who's going to come back to church when the doors open again. Those that are real about God. Those that are serious about God. There are going to be some that ain't going to be in the they, they, They've gotten comfortable with TV. They've got comfortable watching at home in their recliner. And let me tell you, if you're not careful, you're going to let the devil steal your joy from you. You're going to let the devil steal that you need to be with the body of Christ. You're going to let the devil steal that the Bible said uh, that forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You're going to let the devil isolate you. And when you do, he's going to destroy you. And your family and everything you got your hands on. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. Somebody needs to make a decision right now. When those doors are open, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Because it's real easy right now not to go back. It's real easy to, well, you know, I watch four or five preachers on, on Sunday. Well, I do too. But that ain't going to replace what I got to do with my local church. What I've been called to the body to do. Am I preaching yet? When those doors are open, only the remnant. I really, only the remnant, the re those that are real about it, will come back. And when they come back, they're going to be ready. 
And I hope you're one of those people. And if you're not sure about it, you need to get on your faithful God, wherever you're at right now, in your living room or whatever, and say, Lord, get me ready. Get me ready that when that gate's open, I'm going to run this race. I'm going to fight this fight. I'm going to do what I've been called to do. I'm going to walk into power. I'm going to walk in Pentecost. I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I'm going I'm to lift up my pastor. I'm going to get involved. Because I'm one of the first fruits of God. You see, when the doors open back up, I want to see who's going to bring the first fruits. Who's going to come back in and get involved? Who's going to get real? I believe we're going to see some revival going on. I really do. It ain't going to be church like it used to be. We're going to be something's going to be happening. You don't want to miss it. Don't stay home. Don't, don't miss it. So God let, let tongues so that he could symbolize what was going to happen around the world. Now at Pentecost, the believers were filled with the power to do several things. Look at this. Live in holiness, righteousness, and purity. Those 120, when they received the fire of God that came down on them in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and their bodies were transformed into the temple of the Holy Ghost, at that moment they were empowered to live a holy life, a righteous life in Christ and a life of purity. They were empowered to love others as themselves. Come on now, I'm going to say how many folks will be honest today. Oh, let's go now, come on now. I like putting folks on the spot. And don't nobody know who you're talking about, but if you'll be honest... I want you to answer this question. Are you loving somebody that the only reason you can love them is because God's helping you do it? Woo! There's somebody listening to me today. You better be glad. You better be glad that the love of God is in me. Because there's some folk that if it weren't for God, you wouldn't get loved. But he gives us the power to love one another. But I want to tell you something. Don't get out of order. The first and great commandment is not love your neighbor as yourself. The first and great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. And if you love God completely, you'll be able to love your neighbor. Even those that are so challenging. Amen? So we can love one another. We were given power to turn away from sin and temptation. We were given power to stand for Christ. We were given power to resist the devil by submitting to God. We were given power to witness to the lost and to bring in souls. All of that was given at Pentecost. Oh my goodness. We have the same power available to us today. Are you just celebrating or are you activating? Now I want to show something with you real quick as we wind down. This was also another day that was celebrated. It's amazing how many days fell on the same day in the Jewish calendar, Jewish celebration. This was not only the day of the weeks, feast of the weeks. It was the, it was the celebration of Shavuot, which was the harvest, the spring harvest. And you'd bring your best to God, your first fruits, and then you go. It was also, if you've never heard this, was the day of Matan. Matan, M-A-T-T-A-N. Some say Matan, but it's Matan. Now, the symbols, symbolism of the Jewish wedding is all through our salvation and our receiving of the Holy Ghost. So much of the Jewish wedding celebrates and, and symbolizes our union in Christ and our celebration, the wedding. Let me explain it to you. The father of the groom would have to go to the father of the bride-to-be and pay a price for that bride. 
And the reason being is because when she married, she'd come to her husband's father's house. They would add on a wing to the house, and she became a help to that house. But the work that she was doing at her father's house has now ceased. So either they've got to replace her or pay somebody else. So therefore, a price would be paid for the bride because she was being removed from that family. It was just something they did to help each other out. But there was a price that had to be paid for the bride. And the father of the groom would go and pay a price for the bride. Do you get that? In the wedding, in the symbolism, in Pentecost, that father is God. And believe it or not, the father of the bride is Satan. Well, yeah, well, whoa, whoa. you got to realize she ain't married yet. That, that make it clear for you? Because some of you were about to lose your mind. What do you mean, Satan? He was the Satan of He was the father of the bride to be because we were born into sin. And the Bible says, outside of God's salvation, we're enemies of God. So God goes to the devil and says, I'm going to purchase my church. I'm going to purchase the bride for my son. How much do you want? It's going to cost you his blood. We're talking about, I thought we were talking about Pentecost. We we are. Gonna cost you his blood. His blood. Now look at this. This gift, this is not the Matan, this is the Moha. That's the father giving the gift to the other father. The Moha that we celebrate is that God gave the blood of Jesus to purchase the bride. So now all of this contract has been done. The bridegroom uh, talks with the bride makes promises to the bride, makes provision for the bride at best he can, and then where does he go? Back to his father's house to do what? And get it ready. He goes back to get it ready. And now the bridegroom or the bride, she is waiting. She's anticipating. And she's busy. She hadn't quit doing what she's doing. She's busy. Because she's got a promise to be married. She's, now she's a spouse. That means she's, she's pretty much already married. He just hadn't come and sealed it yet. Are you, are you following me with this? So the bridegroom goes back to prepare away. Jesus is the bridegroom. And the Father's house is heaven. Now during this time, the bridegroom and the Father, during this time, to encourage the bride to keep her on track, to let her know we ain't forgot you, we're getting everything ready, this is where the gift or the day of Matan Matan means the beloved gift. So the father, but mainly the son, because everything the son has belongs to the father until the father dies. So the father is always giving to the son. Isn't this beautiful? And the son says, I want to, Father, I want to send my bride to be a gift to encourage her and strengthen her. Listen to this. And beautify her and purify her and strengthen her. Father, I want to give a gift to let her know I ain't forgot her. And the father says, all right, well, let's give her a ton. Let's give her the Holy Ghost. Let's give her the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. Nothing is more important than the gift of Jesus Christ. But right behind that is the gift of the Holy Ghost. Wow. That's, and notice now, that is the day of Matan. The giving is the same day as Shavuot, the same day as Pentecost. Wow. 
don't know about you. I about want to have a run. Somebody stand in here for me right quick. I just want to run around a couple times. Wow! The maton, the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? Now look again. To strengthen the bride. How many of you believe the church needs to be strengthened? Who does that? The Holy Ghost. To beautify her and to make her pure. Who does that? The Holy Ghost. To adorn her for the groom's name. She is already taking his name on. As far as that community is concerned, she is already belonging to Jesus and has his name. Even though they have not consecrated, which we're going to do at the marriage supper of the Lamb. But then he encourages her with his promises. Honey, it won't be long. I've almost got it done. The Maton is the Holy Spirit Pentecost. Wow. Pentecost is the harvest of souls. It's the gifting of the Holy Ghost for the bride. Pentecost. My friends, it ain't just coming next week. It's already here. We're going to celebrate it. We're going to honor it. But we cannot just celebrate it. We've got to activate it. We've got to incorporate it. We've been given the Holy Spirit to the church to win the laws, to empower you, to strengthen you, to make you beautiful, to make you lovely, to make you spotless before He's coming for a spotless bride. And He gave us the Holy Ghost. I want to ask today, if you don't know Christ, if you don't know that Savior who gave so much for you, I invite you today, just simply, here's all you, Lord, I accept you today as my Lord and Savior. I accept the gift that God gave for my salvation, Jesus Christ. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. You defeated death, hell, and the grave. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Lord, I give you my life today. If you've made that prayer today, that simple little prayer, that simple acknowledgement, because my friends, sometimes we want to drag it out and make it a lot harder than it is. But when you want to know how quick salvation can be obtained, go back to the cross. There was a thief walking on one side, but there was a thief on the other who said simply this, Lord, remember me. Lord. And what did Jesus say? I don't think I can do that. You didn't acknowledge me as Savior. You didn't acknowledge me as Yeshua HaMashiach, Christ the Anointed One. You didn't acknowledge me. All you said was Lord. When He said Lord, He said it all. Because Savior is one who saves. Lord is one who reigns. He said, Lord, I give you my life. I ain't got much to offer. I'm dying right here. But whatever I got left, I give it to you. And what did Jesus say? The same thing you said to him, he'll say to you today. If you will ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Today. Today. You'll be with me in paradise. Right now. It's sealed. It's a done deal. That's how quick salvation can be for everybody else. If you all say, I want to ask you today. Will you commit to the following? Will you take serious the Holy Ghost of God? Will you take serious the gift that's been given to you? Will you realize that you are the bride and the reason that he gave you this gift is to beautify you, to purify you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, not just for you, but that you would go out and tell others. This is the time of the harvest now.